Good morning, church. How's everybody today? Good to see you. Welcome to church. We look forward to to us gathering together all week, and it's it's just good to to welcome uh, those at both of our campuses and those that are joining us online. We're a church that is a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything is possible. Do you believe that? Let me hear you say amen. 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 Well, I'm excited to get into the message today, but a couple of things before I do. Uh, First Saturday survey, I know we talk about this at least once a month, but uh, we just completed our eighth one of the year. They've been so good, and if you've not been a part of a, a First Saturday serve day, before this year is over, try to be a part of one. Uh, yesterday, 41 people converged at the Tupelo campus to, to pack baskets, gift bag baskets for 20 different schools and 30 different um, resource rooms. I said 20 different schools and 30 different uh, resource rooms. It was awesome. Uh, over 60 people. Yeah, give God a praise clap. Uh, around 60 people uh, actually participated in this, maybe a little more than that. And uh, if you weren't there, let me just describe the scene. The baskets were laid out, ready. And as we began uh, packing them, and uh, everybody just packed them with the love of Christ and uh, they, we all laid hands on the baskets and we prayed for every basket and for every one of those 20 schools, for all the teachers and for all the students that will be going starting this week. So I'm just glad uh, to be a part of a church that wants to do stuff like that. Amen. Just somebody, amen. Hallelujah, something. Uh, also today, I, I I don't like to trick people, so I decided not to do this. I was going to ask you to raise your hand if you wanted to be a difference maker. And I think I could get just about everybody's hand raised because I would just keep going until I did. But then that would be a setup. I don't do that. But if you really want to be a difference maker, be a part of the NS Kids ministry right here at North Star Church. Both of our campuses, that ministry is strong and thriving. And uh, if you have children in the NS Kids, let me encourage you. I know you, you raise them and you're with them all the time, but be a part of serving back there in that ministry. And guess what? Today, if God is tugging at your heart, we're having a volunteer training, which is required to, to work in NS Kids, uh, immediately following this service. It'll be at 1230 at both of our locations. So, Uh, Let me challenge you to be a difference maker. We see firsthand on a weekly basis what these kids are learning and the love that all of our volunteers are pouring into them. And let me just encourage you today uh, to just to stay. There's a light lunch included, and, and we just want to ask you to be a part of that ministry. And also right after the service at the Tupelo campus, there's going to be a information meeting for a possible Dominican Republic mission trip next year. So if you're interested in that, just zip over there from Saltillo and, or stay 
in Tupelo for that information meeting. And, and by the way, since we're talking about missions, you know, our, our vision at North Star is to glorify God by making disciples of all nations. And I want, to, I want you to be clear that that includes this nation. That's why we minister to the schools and the Salvation Army and, and uh, the Safe Haven and, and the various other things that we have done on, on Serve Day, going into the nursing homes. And so uh, we definitely believe in sharing the love of Jesus and sharing the gospel right here at home. That's not an option, it's a command. But it's also a command to take it not only from across the street, but to take it around the world. So we're having the, this information meeting on Dominican Republic mission trip. And in the near future, we're going to be having an information meeting on a Philippine mission trip that will be taking place in January, which sounds like a long way off, but it's really not. And then a summer trip to Uganda. So we're pumped about just those opportunities and and there will be others because God's at work here and God's moving and touching the hearts of people so you be listening for those opportunities that are coming up really soon all right you ready to get in the bible all right let's get in it you know we're in this series called even though this is this is like week three even though and the heart behind this series is that God would forge in us a bold faith it's not a question, are, are, the, are we going to be challenged to, to, to compromise? That's what we looked at last week, three guys that were, that were put to the test. It's not a question of whether or not we're going to have storms in life. Yes, they're going to come. It's not a question of you, sometimes you get to a point in your life where it seems hopeless. But our phrase throughout this series is, even though those things happen, I We'll trust God. And what God wants to happen in our lives is, is for us in these moments, for us to rise to the occasion with, with a bold faith. And so as we've looked in this series at those messages so far, you know, I, I said this is week three. I think this is week four. Who's counting? Uh, today is week four, and, and we're going to be looking at when tempted. And we're going to look at the specifically at the temptation of Jesus Christ and, and how Jesus handled temptation. And, and we're, we're going to face temptations in life. And what God wants us to do is, is God wants us to, to seek Him. I'm talking to Christ followers. God wants us to seek Him with all of our heart and to seek holiness and to seek righteousness. That's the gospel. The gospel that Christ came, died buried and rose from the grave, the gospel message. But part of the gospel is that that relationship with Jesus is ongoing. And so he wants us to constantly be seeking holiness and seeking righteousness. Now, this is what I know, and that is that you can't earn it. God's not expecting you to seek holiness and righteousness so that somehow uh, at the end of the day, at the end of your life, that you somehow achieved God's acceptance. Let me tell you something. If, if that's how you get God's acceptance, we would never make it. <laughs> we, wouldn't, we have no chance in making it into heaven if we're trying to earn our way to heaven because the Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags. There's none righteous, Scripture says. No, not one. So it's not a matter of us trying to earn God's acceptance. 
I've already got God's acceptance. Now, he doesn't like everything that I do, but I have God's acceptance. You know why? Because of what Jesus did on the cross. At the cross and on the cross, Jesus took the penalty for all of my sins. And when I gave him my life, when I put my trust in Jesus Christ, guess what? I was justified. That doesn't give me a license to sin, but on the cross, all of my sins, past, present, and future, were, were forgiven. He shed innocent blood. The Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And so, the blood, the sacrifice, not a, a lamb every year that you would take and sacrifice for the sins of the people, but the lamb of God who hung on the cross, bled and died, and rose from the grave, that gives the acceptance of me. So the goal of the Christian faith, the goal of, of, of every Christ follower that's listening today is, is to glorify God, bring glory to Him. Now, the story that we're going to read in just a moment takes place after Jesus had been baptized by John the Baptist. The Bible says that he comes up out of the water and the heavens open up. The Holy Spirit, you can read this in the Gospel of Luke, the Holy Spirit comes down and the voice of God speaks. Behold, this is my beloved Son, listen, in whom... I'm well pleased. Then, at that moment, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit led Jesus into a lonely place. He led Jesus into the desert, led Jesus into the wilderness. You might be reading that or thinking, wow, I mean, uh, that's cold, you know. The Holy Spirit leads Jesus to a lonely place. Listen, just because he was in a lonely place, and I don't know who this is speaking to today, but just because you're in a lonely place does not mean that you are alone. Did you receive that today? Just because you may be going through a difficulty, facing temptations in the middle of a storm, doesn't mean that God has, has left you, the absence of your God. No, God, God is present. And so, uh, you think, well, that's cold that he led Jesus into the wilderness. This is what I know, and if you're taking notes, please write this one down. God was just as pleased with him in the wilderness as he was with him in the water. When he came up out of the water, he was baptized, right? And, and the, the voice of God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. From that moment to the time that Jesus went to the, to the wilderness, God did not love him any less. God was not pleased with him any less. So when we are in those wilderness times, when we are facing the, the storms of life, when the waves are crashing and the wind is blowing and the temptations are coming, God is faithful and God is with us. Because notice this, he is bringing us through the desert to get us into our destiny. He is, he is taking that storm or using those temptations to get us where we need to go. Now, I want to clarify something. 
Jesus never tempts us. God never tempts us. He cannot be tempted, nor does he tempt us to sin. God tests us sometimes. God allows times of uh, testing and proving, but God never, he cannot be tempted, Scripture says, and he does not tempt us. Now, let's read the story. If you have your Bibles, turn them on or open them up to the Gospel of Luke. I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan, that's where he was baptized, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Scripture says, he ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. How many would be hungry at the end of one day? At the end of five days? At the end of seven days? 20 days? At the end of 40 days, and there was a significance of this fasting. The devil said to him, if you're the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. Verse 5, the devil led him to a high place and showed him an instant in an instant, all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all authority and splendor that has been given to me, and I can give it to anybody I want to, if you worship me, it will all be yours. He's a salesman, isn't he? Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the Bible says, the devil then led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully, they, that they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Pray with me. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the word. And I just pray that you'll, today you will take the word that is spoken here and illumine our hearts and our minds with the important truths from the Word, and it's in Jesus' name that I pray, and all God's people said, amen. A very simple message today. I've got two points, maybe a poem, and we're out of here. Okay, you ready? Number one, we are all going to have to deal with temptations. Come on, pastor, man, give me some good news. That's good news is God's with us, but we're all going to have to deal with temptation. Now again, temptation does not come from God. The Bible says that we are tempted. Uh, the world uh, tempts us, the system of the world. The devil tempts us, the flesh within ourselves. We are, are tempted, and we're all going to be facing temptation. But here's the good news. Temptation is not a sin. It is a call to battle. Let me say it again. It's on the screens. 
Temptation is not a sin. Oh, man, I feel so dirty. I feel so bad, worthless. I messed up again. I can't believe I had that thought come through my mind. Well, being tempted is not a sin. You're, you're tempted to do something that you shouldn't do. That's not the sin. The sin is when you act on that temptation. Okay, this is deep. You ready? You can't stop the birds from flying over your head. But you can keep them from making a nest in your, head, in your hair. Told you that was deep. Son, I'm telling you, you can't get this at just any church. I've got another one. When temptation and the devil is knocking on your door, don't answer it. Okay, so enough of those. Uh, yeah, we're going to be tempted, but we don't have to act on those temptations. The devil knows exactly how to get to us. And where we are at risk. So be careful not to let temptation cause you to give in, but let it be a, a call to battle, charge against the devil. The writer of Hebrews said it this way. He said, for we do not have a high priest who is unable. Oh, thank God. We have a high priest that is able. Say it with me. We have a high priest that is what? Able. The writer said, we don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. You know what temptation is? Temptation is an is a opportunity to win. When temptation comes this week, and I guarantee you, I'll hear from people all this week, Pastor, you preached on temptation. Wow, I needed it because I was tempted all week. How? How were you tempted? No, I, don't, I would never ask that, but I was tempted all week. I needed this. Well, temptation is a call uh, to battle. It's an opportunity for a win. It's an opportunity for victory. It's an opportunity to say yes to God and no to the devil. So I'm going to tell you in just a moment how to be ready and how to, to deal with temptation. I'm just telling you, if you'll deal with them right, and if you'll deal with temptation scripturally, it's an it's a opportunity for you to have victory in your life. So, are, are you ready for that? Now, when, when I'm tempted, um, I take the Bible, and, and, I, and I do what Jesus did. Not a question of, of are you going to be tempted, it's when you're going to be tempted. And Satan knows it's our weaknesses. So, every single time, when Jesus was tempted, he used this book. He used the Word. He is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But every time Jesus was tempted, he used the Word. And so this week, when you feel like everybody in the world is against you, the government's against you, your family's against you, praise God, and you're thinking, man, who else can be against me? Start quoting Scripture. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. 
That's what I'm talking about. Just when you think, oh, how are we going to fix this? How are we going to come up with the money? How, how are we going to, how am I going to take care of this situation? I start quoting Scripture. But my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. When I'm up against a situation that I don't know that I can even tackle, emotionally, physically, spiritually, I quote Scripture. I can do all things, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so as I think about those times that, oh, God, this, this, this ain't good. Man, this, this is not good. This is, this is not good. This is not good. I start reaching back in my memory bank, which is shallow sometimes, but I remember my favorite, I may have shared it last week, and I'll probably share it next week because it's one of my key life scriptures verses, and that is, for we know that all things work together for the good. It doesn't say all things are good. It says they work together for the good. How could it be good to have this happen in your family? But God somehow in his miraculous supernatural way of dealing with things takes a situation that didn't look good, it wasn't good, but he worked it out for the good. And so when I'm tempted, I start, I start quoting scriptures. The writer of Hebrews said, we don't have a high priest that is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but one that has been tempted in every way. Yet, read these last words with me. Yet what? He did not sin. He did not sin. So I have the confidence that, that Jesus was able to do it. He empowers me to do it. Now, this is, this is interesting. Just before the devil started to attack him, started to tempt him, what does it say back in our text? What did it say that he did for 40 days? He fasted and he prayed. We have an annual time of prayer and fasting in our church. We've done this now for several years. You know what fasting does? It helps us to, to connect to God. It helps us to hear his voice, know his power, and experience his provision. If you've never spent a time of prayer and fasting, maybe you're one of those, or nobody's going, no church is even going to tell me when to pray and fast. You, oh, get a life. Come on, seriously. All through the Bible, they called the people to prayer and fasting. So whatever you did to pray and to fast during these times that we've done it or in the times that we're going to do it, fasting is, is letting go of something earthly and taking hold of something supernatural. One more time. Fasting is, regardless of what kind of fast you do, fasting is letting go of something of the earth and taking hold of something supernatural. And that's what Jesus did when he prayed and he fasted for 40 days and then the devil came and he tempted him. It helps us to hear the voice of God, know the power of God, and experience the provisions of God. Jesus heard the voice of God. He knew the power of God because he couldn't have done it. And he experienced the, the provisions of the Father. So when we talk about temptation, we're all going to be tempted. John, I love what John writes and or how he explains temptation in John, 1 John chapter 2. 
He says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world is, there's three of them, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. Now, if you'll go back to Luke chapter 4, I want to take what John wrote about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, and I want to show you how that fits into what happened to Jesus. So if you're in Luke chapter 4, just follow as, as, I, uh, as I point these out. The first one is uh, the, devil, the devil said to him, if you're the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. This deals with doing, and it deals with the soul. Deals with, with, with doing, and, excuse me, not the soul, but the, the body. It deals with doing, turn these stones into bread. Jesus was what? He was hungry. And so it deals with the physical, it deals with the body, and deals with doing. Hey, turn these, if you're hungry, if you're really hungry, I don't know if you're really hungry or not, Jesus, but if you're hungry, just come on, just command that these stones be turned to what? Let's just say cinnamon roll bread. And so that temptation is the lust of the flesh. Jesus was tempted in that way. Whew. I don't know what Jesus said. Probably something a lot more spiritual that I'm trying to articulate up here. But Jesus probably thought, mm, yeah, I could. I, I could turn it into a, a big old cinnamon roll. I could. Yeah, I could, but I'm not. Because he was being tempted. The second one, uh, not only... He said the lust of the flesh, but he says the lust of the eyes. The lust of the eyes. Did you know the eyes have an appetite? Come on, preacher. What are you talking about? Feast your eyes on that. Whew. Yeah, the eyes have an appetite. You see that car and you think, wow, I'm coveting that car. Or you see a, a, a beautiful woman or a handsome man. Men, beautiful women women, handsome man, and you're looking. You can't help it. You can't control every thought. You just keep those birds from making a nest. And so that temptation uh, deals with the soul. It deals with uh, having. So you're feasting your eyes on that. What the devil said to Jesus he led him up to a high place, showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. He said to him, I'll give you all their authority and splendor that's been given to me, and I can give it to you. If you worship me, it will all be yours. What the devil didn't understand, he's pretty smart, but what he didn't understand about Jesus was that was not a weakness for Jesus. That was really Jesus' greatest loyalty and greatest strength. And that's obedience and pleasing the Father. And so Satan tempts him uh, to have. You can, if you'll do this, you can have this. And that deals with the soul, our soul, the trichotomy of the soul is a mind, will, and emotions. And so he's dealing with Jesus' mind. He's dealing with his will. He's dealing with his emotions. And then the third one is the, the pride of life. The devil took Jesus to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. If you're the son of God. And so 
that temptation, the first one deals with us physically, that we're often tempted physically in, in the flesh. And then we're, we're tempted to, to have what we see and what we want. And then the last one is his being. He was tempted not only in the physical, not only in his, the, the soul, but his spirit. And it speaks of, of his being. And so every time Jesus answered him with Scripture. So having said all of that, let me give you my second one. Number one, we're all going to have to go through temptations. Number two, without the Word, capital W, we're going to be capital W, weak. So how do you quote all those Scriptures? How does he quote all those scriptures? He's a pastor. He's been doing it all of his life. Good point. I've been doing this most of my life. But I've been memorizing scripture. Oh, yeah. Well, you got me there. I don't memorize. I can't memorize. You know where you play bunco, don't you? You know the stats of your favorite team, don't you? Or your favorite show. What season was that? You know, that, you know that show that, what season? Oh, that was season four, man. You, you've got all that memorized, but you, you can't memorize Scripture. That's a lie from hell. It's a lie from the devil. You can. Been doing it for a long time. Listen, you, I, I, I joke about my ADD, HD, whatever in the world they called it back then. I, they called it, they didn't know about it back then. They called it Beat the Kid Good. And, uh, but I remember my poor mama. She's in heaven. And I was in, um, it was called sword drills. Because the Bible says, the, 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 take on the whole shield of faith, Paul says, that you may be able to withstand the fiery attacks of the evil one, the devil. Take the sword of the Spirit, the, the, the Word of God, the helmet of salvation. And so, and so when I was just a kid, I mean, I was, I don't know what age, that that started, they, they stopped calling it that because I guess it sounded too violent, the sword of the Spirit, sword drills, and then they called it Bible drills, and Lord knows what they call it now. It's good stuff, though, because, and they may not even have it now, but it's when ch children and young people memorize Scripture. My poor mama, uh, oh, goodness. She, when, when crowns of, are handed out, she's going to get an extra one because having to deal with me. It's not that I wasn't smart, because I am smart. Can I get an amen? That's okay. I feel the love. I just had some problems, some issues, and some challenges. But I learned. I did. I learned a scripture, and I still learn scripture. I still memorize scripture, because when you memorize scripture, you may not know but one I'd use that one on every temptation the devil sends your way. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. God, I'm sorry. I'm not a good memorizer. I need to try harder. But I got this one, devil. I got one. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I love what the psalmist said in Psalm 91. He says, um, I'm not going to read all of this. I'm just going to kind of jump because it's it's a long passage. 
He said, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. (laughs) Get into the Word. Let it get into your mind. Flow through your heart and out of your mouth because that's how Jesus, three times it is written, it is written, and he quotes Scripture all three times. Yeah, but he, he, he's God. It's, tough, it's hard to wrap your brain around this, but Jesus left his divinity and he came to earth. Still God, 100% God, but 100% man. He wasn't born, I mean, like literally the moment he was born. Oh, look at over there petting the donkey. I mean, no, he, 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 had, he had to learn. He had to study. He was a carpenter. You think he just like, hmm, nobody's looking, I'm God. I know how to do this. Uh, no, he had to learn. He had to learn how to walk. He had to learn how to talk because he was fully human and this is this is what I think is so cool the capital G word in the beginning John 1 1 in the beginning was the word the word was with God and the word was God capital W here's what's interesting the word had to learn the Word. Some of you didn't get that, and you're going to get it. The Word, Jesus, had to learn the Word. One time, Jesus was 12 years old. His parents had taken him to the temple in Jerusalem. And uh, they left and went to the market and started buying, went to a fleet, went, went to a garage sale, did some other stuff, went to the grocery store. Mary looks up, about to head to the car, where, to the carriage. Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? And she starts to panic. And I mean, how do you lose God? Really? She lost God. I mean, they went back to the temple and they found him. You know what he was doing? Twelve years old, he was sitting there listening to the teachers of the Scripture, of the Word, and Jesus learned the Word. Now, identify right now. Satan does not like this. I'm putting you on notice, but I'm putting him on notice. He doesn't like that I'm telling you what I'm telling you. Anything that I've told you today because it involves him. But by the searchlight of the Holy Spirit, right now, identify where you're vulnerable. You know where where it is. That weak spot in your life. That when tempted, you don't need to be tempted to do that because you're liable to do it that weak spot and identified and 
claim the promises of God over it. God, I'm weak in this area. Satan wants me to deny that I'm weak, and he wants me to think I can handle it, and, and he's going to tempt me, and I'm, I'm going I'm to I'm gonna have to have your strength to make it. And then take the Scripture and get yourself ready so when temptation does come, and it's coming, you'll be ready. Maybe it's with your temper. And you, somebody knows just how to push your buttons. Hey, I'm telling you, go ahead right now. Get ready. Maybe it's a critical tongue. And right now, go ahead and get ready, critical tongue. I'm going to claim the blood of Jesus over you. And when I'm tempted to be critical, I'm going to reverse it. And I'm going to be kind. And I could just keep on naming everybody's weaknesses, but the, the time would not even allow it. But the key is get ready. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. And thank you for the word that teaches us how to deal with the circumstances, the situations, the dilemmas, and the temptations of life. Whatever campus that you are attending and wherever you are listening online, I want to give you the opportunity to say yes to Jesus Christ, not to try to earn his acceptance, but to totally put your trust in him. I'm going to lead in a prayer, but I want to tell you, it's not just repeating a prayer. It's, it's something that happens from the inside of you. It's a declaration of repentance and faith, trusting Jesus as Savior. You can say it similar to this. Dear God, I need to be saved. I'm a sinner who needs a Savior. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, and he rose on the third day. Today, I repent of my sins, and I turn to Jesus. Come into my life. I put my trust in you as Savior, and I follow you, Jesus, today as Lord. Now, if that was your prayer, I'm going to ask that you take another step. On, on, I'm going to ask that you find a pen and a card in the seat pocket in, the, in front of you and fill out that card. Say, today I accepted Jesus Christ. There's a box you can check. You can put it in the buckets as you leave, or you can give it to one of our pastors, or bring it to the guest services counter at both of our campuses, and we have a book to give you. Maybe your prayer today as a follower of Jesus is, oh God, help me today and this week to apply these truths and these principles to my life. I'm going to ask if everyone would please stand at both campuses. I just want to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would take these closing moments. Help us, God, not to like rush out of here and try to get to the lunch the fastest, but God, help us to take these final moments and let the Holy Spirit seal what we've been taught today from your word. God, we love you, and we're appreciative beyond words, actually, of what you have done for us, the sacrifice that you made for us, and God, we pray that you'll speak to us even now in Jesus' name.